BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. It is the moment you've all been waiting for. We have Sherry, the author of Why Men Love Bitches on the podcast today. It is going to be extremely illuminating. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this episode. And I certainly believe in a lot of the same values that Cherry has, but you'll see what we agree on and don't agree on, but mostly agree. Before we get into that, I want to tell you some thoughts from some things that happened this week and answer some of your questions and then we'll get right into it. So the first is that I finally watched the finale of The Bachelorette and the hometown, like basically I'm up to speed on the Katie and Greg fight. And so many people were like, you need to talk about it. You need to say what side you're on. And without ever hearing about it, it was totally split down the middle with people who were, you know, in support of Katie versus people who were in support of Greg. And I immediately was like, you know, I'm probably going to support Katie, just, you know, women supporting women. And then I watched the show. And for anyone who isn't a Bachelorette fan, I'll just give a recap. Basically, Katie is the Bachelorette and she has three men left, I think maybe four. And they're doing hometowns, which as far as I know, I'm not a huge Bachelor Bachelorette fan or like watcher, regular watcher. But as far as I know, like that's part of the contract. It's like, if you make it to this round, you do hometowns where you bring this woman or this man to your hometown and they meet your family. And Katie did that with Greg and she met his family. And I think he said to his mom, like, you know, this is the one. And he said to her, he was like, I can't believe I did that. Like, I'm falling in love with you. You're filling a hole in my heart. Like, you know, all the stuff that you usually hear on Bachelorette and Bachelor. And she was like, that means so much to me, blah, blah, blah. Like, I definitely think that, you know, I will say like, she was a little stoic. I mean, she is a Capricorn, but she made it very clear that like, she felt the same way. Um, Greg is a Gemini for anyone curious. And I think like, you know, it's part of the whole show. It's a show. It's like a game show, a dating game show. And so she couldn't be like, I feel the same way. And by the way, Greg, like I'm picking you. So don't worry. Like she can't say that, you know? And he expected her to say that. 
and like end it right there. He was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to know that I'm the one that you're going to choose. And she was like, well, I can't tell you that, but like you have to trust me. And he was like, well, that's not enough. Blah, 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 blah. Like I, I told you, I loved you. I introduced you to my parents. It's like, Greg, bro, like, yeah, because it's part of the contract. Like you have to introduce her to your parents. He's like, I never do this with anyone. It's like, well, what did you expect? You went on the bachelorette and you signed a contract that if you make it this far, you introduce the girl to your parents. Like no one made you say, I love you. That was all you. But like, you being like, oh my God, I, I like, I did this for you. So you need to do this for me. No, bro. Like you signed a contract that you would do that. You know, like you didn't do anything special for Katie other than what you had to do. So like take it down a notch. Anyway, I thought that he was overacting and I really, I don't buy it. I think what happened was he was like enjoying the process and then he got restless. And he was like, I need to know that I'm the winner. And if I don't know I'm the winner, I can't go on. And like, dude, no. And this is why like that kind of guy sucks because it's like, if you really love someone, you know, especially in something like the bachelorette, like you have patience to be with them. You're not like, I need to know now. I need to know now. Also like, why are you on the bachelor, bro? Like, I don't know. Maybe we'll have him come on the podcast and discuss white Lotus. If you haven't watched this show, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but White Lotus is a show on HBO Max. And basically in the first episode, we find out someone died. And then the rest of it is detailing the experience of the privileged guests at a resort versus the staff at a resort. And it's a lot about money and privilege and classes and how if you have money, you can essentially get out of anything is how I kind of took it at the end. But what I want to focus on, because this is a dating podcast, is the relationship that was highlighted, which is this woman played by Alexandra Daddario. I don't even remember her name on the show. I have to look it up now. And her fiance. And they just got married. And basically, she is a writer, a journalist who doesn't really like hasn't really found her calling. So Rachel is her name and Shane is her fiance or sorry, her husband. They just got married. It's their honeymoon. And Shane comes from like this rich family who like bought him into college. And of course he works for his dad. No, no surprise there. And Rachel is kind of like been chosen as his arm candy, as his trophy wife. And when she met him, she was in a dark place where she was a failed journalist and didn't really know what was going on in her life. And so she was like swept up in the lifestyle and she ends up marrying him. And then on the honeymoon, she's like having all these regrets, of course. And she's realizing like, I fucked up. I made a really bad decision. Like this guy sucks. Basically, he spent the whole vacation trying to take down one of the staff members, this guy Armand, who like gave them the wrong room. Okay. Instead of like enjoying his vacation. And she's realizing like, I don't want to be with a guy like this. Like his mom fucking showed up on the vacation. Okay. And was like trying to do damage control, but like your mom shows up on your honeymoon. I'm sorry. Like that's a deal breaker right there. Anyway, clearly he's a guy who needs to be coddled. But at the same time, Rachel, first of all, who needs a lot of therapy, has no idea who she is and what she wants. She has 
zero backbone. She at one point goes up to Nicole Mossbacher's character, Connie Britton is the actress who plays her. And she's like this boss who kind of works at like a goop type place. And she's like, yeah, I wrote an article about you, whatever. And Connie Britton's character is like, that was the worst article ever. And instead of like defending herself and saying like, she just like sulked away. Like she just, she doesn't have a backbone. She doesn't know herself yet. And I think that was a big problem. I wonder how old she's supposed to be, but she clearly just like doesn't, doesn't know herself. And when she finally decides like she wants to work and she doesn't want to be a trophy wife and she wants like a purpose in her life and she tries to end it with Shane, she goes to Belinda, who is the woman who works at the spa for advice. And Belinda's just like done giving advice at this point. She's been through the mill with Jennifer Coolidge's character who said she was going to invest in a business for her and then didn't and then threw money at her. And so when she hears Rachel complaining, like, oh, I don't want to be this like trophy wife for the rest of my life. She's like, I don't feel bad for you, basically. And Rachel has no one. She has no friends, which is weird, right? She has no family. Her mom like said she's going to call her back and then doesn't. And really, she feels lonely. But the only person that she has is Shane. And the only option she has is to be in this relationship that makes her feel lonely for the rest of her life. And so she essentially goes back to him at the end and everyone's like, what the fuck, you know, but it's a metaphor because like so many women will just settle for like someone to take care of them when like they deserve better and they're not happy. And it's sad. Really quick. I want to talk on, I mentioned briefly, I was blacklisted from a sorority in college and everyone was like, you need to share the story. And I definitely have on a previous episode, but I'll say it real quick. I went to college. I had been with my high school boyfriend for three years. We decided to like take a kind of break. And so I was hooking up with this sophomore and it was like really new to me. Like he was heavily pursuing me. I didn't really know what was happening. I was just going along with it. I'm a freshman at the school. And next thing I know, I get a scathing message from his girlfriend who I didn't know he had saying like, I can't believe you're hooking up with blank. You know, what did you do? How far did you go? Like he's been, you know, we've been on and off. He's been trying to get me back. Like I'm, I am his girlfriend though. And blah, blah, blah. Just sounds like a toxic mess. And I was like, I'd want nothing to do with this. But that girl decided to blacklist me from Alpha Phi, a sorority at BU because of it. Um, That girl also went on to be Miss USA, but I'm not going to release any more information than that. Why men cry when breaking up with you? Okay, this is the last one. Men cry when breaking up with you. The real question was why men cry when breaking up with you when they are the ones that don't want to be in the relationship? Because men, like women and everyone, like no one wants to be the bad guy. And I think a lot of women, when they break up, they've already walked through the motions. They've already mourned in a lot of ways. They've already done the crying. And so the crying is less likely to happen. I think men like make more of a spontaneous decision and they cry because they feel bad. Because by the way, breaking up isn't easy for anyone. And next up, we have the amazing Sherry. And I'm really excited for you to hear it. I went to Bears this morning and it kicked my ass. But I have honestly never been complimented more than by the other women 
on my outfit. And I know why. It's because obviously it's one of my favorite outfits from Girlfriend Collective. Girlfriend Collective is the best place to buy leggings and all your workout clothes. They use recycled materials. So their clothing and their shipping is 100% recyclable. Like you don't have to feel bad. And they also have a garment take back for a program called Re-Girlfriend. So once you're done loving your pieces, you can actually send them back to be upcycled into new girlfriend gear. Like, is that not the best thing ever? I'm telling you, you need to try Girlfriend Collected. They have everything from size like extra, extra, extra small to extra, 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 extra large. They're extremely inclusive and they make you feel good about yourself when you wear this stuff. I especially like their bras because I don't feel like most bras give me enough coverage, especially when I'm running fast, if you know what I mean. And girlfriend bras are just extremely supportive. And because you guys are listeners of the show, Girlfriend Collective is actually offering you $25 off your purchase of 100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash Acme. So grab a set, maybe it's shorts and a tank or something else. And you can get $25 off your purchase of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash Acme. That's girlfriend.com slash Acme. I know I'm talking about money a lot and like, it's not that cute, but what's really not cute is having a awful, an awful credit card balance month after month. It's like a never ending cycle of debt. And it's awful. And it's really hard when you're dating and you have such a debt and you just have to bring that. It's like a burden to your relationships. And I actually remember in um, Love is Blind, like one of the characters, Amber was telling Barnett, like I have all this debt and like it definitely, he was definitely taken aback. But what she could have done is use Upstart. If you haven't heard of Upstart, they can totally help you pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Like, I don't know what you're waiting for. If you're listening to this and you have debt, you need to go to upstart.com slash Acme. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have already used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment. Unlike other lenders, Upstart actually considers your income and current employment to find you a smarter rate for your loan. Like you can receive these funds as fast as one business day after they accept your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash Acme. That's upstart.com slash Acme. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash Acme and start getting ahead of your loans today. Creeps, cults, ghosts, guys named Jerry. This is your one-stop shop. If you like all that weird shit, join me. I'm Casey Balsham. I'm a comedian and I am fascinated by dark, twisty, and shady ass shit. On the Shady Shit Podcast, we're going to cover all the topics ranging from living in a haunted house to dating app scammers to Lizzie Borden and everything in between. Every Friday, I'm going to break down well-known and little-known stories that are sure to induce just a bit of discomfort. I am so looking forward to making your weeks just a little bit weirder. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I am so excited today because I have one of my inspirations, the author of Why Men Love Bitches and Why Men Marry Bitches, Sherry Argov. Hi, Sherry. Hi, thanks for having me. 
Thank you so much for coming on. I can't tell you how requested this episode has been. You have changed so many lives and all for the better. So thank you so much. Well, that's very sweet of you to say that. Thank you very much as well. It's it's true. So I guess let's dive right in here. Sherry, you wrote this book, Why Men Love Bitches. And you also wrote Why Men Marry Bitches, which everybody should be checking out. And we'll have a link to both of those. But you know, your name began with this book, Why Men Love Bitches. And it was like the shock value, but also just the message was so true. And for so long, so many people have been saying to me, you know, are you sure you hadn't based your advice on why men love bitches because it's so similar. So of course I had to read the book and it it really is. Um, and so essentially for people who are listening, who, you know, are very interested in reading the book, what's like a 10 second kind of elevator pitch that you can give our listeners about what is the book about? I think it's about having confidence and why uh, being a strong person is attractive to the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. I think it's true for both men and women. My definition of a bitch is playful. I'm not using it as a, in a pejorative way, like to be mean or to be right. condescending or in any way to you know, subject another person to cruelty. But I think that women a lot of times try to be passive and they try to be accommodating to a fault. And what they don't realize is that it's, it will backfire. And I found it really interesting that men agreed with me, and my my books are based on actual interviews with live subjects (laughs) and everything that they told me in confidence while promising to hide their names. Well, I can attest to that because I recently... So I do some matchmaking on the side, and I recently tried to set somebody, a man up with a woman. And he said to me, you know, I don't think that's a good match. I actually went out with her once before and I didn't feel that it was a good match. And I said, why? And he said, there was zero pushback. She, I could tell that I would have been able to do anything that I wanted to do and get away with anything with this woman. And I thought that that was really interesting and definitely goes along with what you say um, often. Which leads to boredom with men, mm-hmm. which leads to boredom. They don't want a yes woman. That was, that was sort of the revelation really in my book, among others. And women are taught that, right? They're taught that it's all about being a sex object and appealing to his fantasies. They're not taught that, you know, the biggest sexual organ is between his ears and that he wants to be stimulated mentally. Right. So that that's kind of the surprise. And considering the fact that my book's been out for a few years now and men have not, you know, yet found me and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> made me disappear. Yeah. Um, I am, I suspect that they agree with our philosophy. So I don't think that, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't heard from men. No, we don't. It's usually, why do we, you know? Right. right. Like, why are we like this? No, they know. They know, mm. but but it's it's often it's it's never a subject of disagreement. It's a subject of agreement. You know. You know what about your book is the most controversial piece of advice or something that people have maybe disagreed with? There's not much aside from the title. Mm-hmm. Usually, when they meet when they read the content, they realize it's just very common sense. 
Right. That's that's it. They just often misinterpret the title. Mm-hmm. And your book was written, you know, before the age of social media, you know, with Instagram and all of these things. How does your advice change, if at all, for the digital age today? I don't think it changes that much. I mean, social media to me is kind of a vortex of nothingness, really. I mean, the, the more that you display who you are and everything about yourself on the internet, the less mysterious you are to a man. So my advice to women is do everything that I talk about in the book and do it online as well. And then you also talk about in the book, pulling back. And one of our listeners asked, you know, how does that apply to social media? And I'm assuming it's just posting less, right? Again, with the theme of just revealing less. Is that true? Always reveal less. You should never... I mean, once you've revealed too much and you've become an open book, then it's kind of hard to take it all back. I mean, he's seen you in every suggested outfit on your Facebook page. He's not going to unsee that, you know? Mm-hmm. And the thing that goes through a man's mind is, well, if this is on display for everybody, then it's not really special if it's for me. You know, mystery is cannot be overstated. And it's not something that, you know, your mom tells you that you should do because, you know, she's old-fashioned. It's what men really want. What women want is romance. What men want is mystery and intrigue. Mm-hmm. They need to be stimulated. And to them, intrigue and mystery is what romance is to us. So without that, they become bored. And it's mm-hmm. the glue that keeps them interested, so to speak. As soon as you post everything on your Facebook page, what your therapist told you, what your gynecologist told you, you know everything you've done, every boyfriend you've ever had, every relationship you're ever in is, is all there online. You know, you've, you've set yourself up to be not someone that, you know, I think holds somebody's interest on a mystery basis. Yeah. And are there ever exceptions to this rule? Like, for example, let's say that somebody's career was on social media. So a lot of their life was like outward facing or they were a TV journalist. So they had to promote that. Like, does that change things? Well, being a TV journalist, you know, being on the air doesn't necessarily mean that you're divulging every detail about yourself. Being a podcaster doesn't mean that you're divulging everybody you've dated. You know what I mean? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not the same. I mean, it's different when it's your work. That makes sense. But if you are sending the message to a prospective partner that you spend your idle time sharing everything about yourself on the internet and putting it on display then it's no longer special if it's on display. You know what I mean? It's men like what they can see for their eyes only. They like the mine only feeling. And it's different when it's your work because you are public, I'm public. It's kind of understood. But even then, there's, you know, a lot that I don't reveal about myself publicly for a reason because you've got to have a private life. And you have to be concerned. and, And just remember... Never send a picture, never post a picture that you wouldn't want the whole world to see forever. Mm. And that includes some of these texts that women are sending that are suggestive sexting, if you will. You have no idea if he's going to keep that. You have no idea if 
he's going to share with a million guy friends. You have no idea if his next girlfriend is going to get upset when she finds it in her phone and put it online. You just don't send a photo of yourself that you don't want the whole world to see, including your grandmother, your boss, your mother, and your next future husband. (laughs) It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just not a good idea. That's really interesting because I, an ex-boyfriend of mine from years ago, I remember we were going through his phone and his photos and I saw he had a screenshot of a sext that um, a girl he had been with sent him. And it's not like it got in the wrong hands. Of course, I wasn't going to do anything with it. But that I definitely would not want out there um, at all. Now, how did it make you feel? It just kind of made me feel weird because I was like, you know, obviously he saved this because he looks back on it and like, you know, probably jerks off to it or something. And (laughs) that just was gross because I was like... I don't know. I, I it it wasn't like I could be jealous, right? Because it, it like I didn't even know who this person was and it was just the words. But I was like at one point someone said this to him and it's weird that he has it still. So the respect went down just a little bit, right? Just a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like not even just for him, but I was like as a woman, I was like well, I would never want to be the person whose text was screenshotted if I sent someone something like that myself. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So nothing is temporary. It's always permanent. And, you know, remember Jennifer Lawrence, right? Um, Mm. Her phone was hacked. So it wasn't even a matter of someone finding it. Hackers got to it. You, You know, I have a friend who sent some photos like that to her lover. They were in a long-term relationship. And then years later, when she was in a new relationship, the man had a son and the son needed a computer. So she goes to her garage and she pulls out this old laptop and she thinks she's scrubbed it clean. Well, evidently the son, whose mother was disgruntled because they got a divorce, found a way to recover that data. And you know, what happened after that was that, you know, she was very publicly humiliated by it. So I just don't believe in memorializing. I don't think it's a good idea for women to memorialize sex acts in, in any kind of digital medium. I just don't. If Mm -hmm. he wants it, he can have it live. You know, he can come over and see it live, but the video and the photos are always going to backfire. And then another little side note, a very good friend of mine is the manager of several banks in my area. And we were having lunch and he said to me, I, I was talking to him about what he, what he finds when he opens up safety deposit boxes at the bank. And he said, we find three things, cash, guns, and nude, nude photos of people <gasps> and video. Now, That's why so does someone scary. need to keep it in their safety deposit box? One reason, because they plan to use it to extort somebody at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that like, you know, to be transparent, that almost happened to me. I made a huge mistake in college. And I had a boyfriend at the time who I thought that I trusted. And I let him... It was a little different because he took the photos of me as opposed to me taking them 
and sending them to him, but he took them of me when we were together. And when I broke up with him, he was really upset and he threatened to make a website of those photos of me. And I had to get lawyers involved and it was really scary. And so I think, you know, that was a huge lesson. But if you're listening to this, like, you know, don't make that same mistake. It's just not worth it. You know, it's not worth it on your conscience or to go through that. You know, and the other thing is, what's the upshot of doing it? Do you really need to feel like Stormy Daniels or a porn star? Why? You know, and if if he's attracted to you and he thinks you're beautiful and you want to wear a little outfit for him in the bedroom, great, go for it. But why does it need to be digitized and reduced to photos and, you know, a video? Why? For what reason? Think about that. It's it's yeah. only for, for, for later purposes, for extortion, for leverage, for something that can be used against you. And right. so mm-hmm. it, I hope that women are listening to this because I can't tell you how many stories I've heard because readers contact me and I hear everything. It is so commonplace that these photos fall into the wrong hands, photos mm-hmm. and or videos, so commonplace that I, it's just I mean, I'm a best-selling author. If any of my exes had photos like that, I guarantee you they'd be on Google search right now. And thank goodness I was smart enough not to do that because, I don't know, my right. guy told me not to do it. And, and thank goodness because, and you don't have to be a public figure to be publicly humiliated, trust me. So what happened to you is terrible. When I was featured in the New York Times last summer, it was like the best moment for me. And I really wanted to frame it. So I went and I took the thing that I wanted to frame, the article, to a frame store. And the quote that I got was absurd. Like over $250 just to frame something. Like why would I ever pay that? And so then I was like, I need to figure out a different way to do this. I went to FrameBridge And I basically said, like, I have something I want to frame, blah, blah, blah. I was able to preview my item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Like, I chose my favorite. And I'm not even kidding when I say the pricing started at $39 as opposed to $250. I was like, why would I ever go to a frame store? Like, sorry, I'm doing everything on FrameBridge from now on. I also framed a really nice picture I took on a vacation once and now it sits in our bedroom and I really love it. It's so easy to do, like beyond. You just upload your photo and then they send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces or you can just do it all on their website. Like I really, really loved it. I chose like a simple black frame for the newspaper. And then for my photo that I took, I chose like a simple white frame. Get started today. Frame your photos or someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and you can use promo code ACME to save an additional 15% off your first order. Go to framebridge.com, promo code ACME, framebridge.com, promo code ACME, and let them know that you heard about them through our podcast. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like I definitely know about dating, but I for sure know nothing. 
about stocks and about investing. I feel like so gypped growing up that they didn't teach you anything in school about money and investing and all this stuff. It can be so complicated. Like I'm such a beginner and I just really had no idea what to do. So I actually used Wealthfront. If you haven't heard of Wealthfront, they basically create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. If you're like, what the hell is this girl talking about? You need to check it out for yourself because this is how you should be investing your money. Like seriously, Wealthfront can even help you lower the taxes that you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fee. Best of all, it's actually automatic. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash Acme. You don't have to do this alone. If you are sitting there like, I have no idea how to get started... That's what Wealthfront is for, especially if you're like, no offense to guys, but if you're a hardworking woman and a boss biatch, you might have a lot to invest and you don't even know. So get your first $5,000 managed for free for life. Go to wealthfront.com slash Acme. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T.com slash Acme. And you can start to grow your savings. Make your money work for you. Go to wealthfront.com slash Acme and get started today. But pivoting a little bit, somebody asked, and this is an interesting one, you know, you have this rule about no sex before 90 days into seeing somebody. And what I usually say to my listeners who ask me, I say absolutely no sex on the first date. I usually like to wait like a month or, you know, six plus dates, something like that. I like to wait until I know that he knows me well enough and like really likes me and like my personality and has like a lot to hold on to so that it is not just, you know, about that. Um, I've never said 90 days. hmm. I actually say a month in my book. Interesting. Yeah. I think I think it's a good goal. But listen, if you don't see a lot of each other in that first month, it should be longer. And if you've known him for a long time and you're good friends and then you finally cross that threshold, then, you know, a month it can be shortened. It's a question of when are you safe? And you're safe when you realize that the person isn't getting sex and still wants to come around. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of my guideline is do they want to spend time with me outside the bedroom? And if so, that's a good sign. Right. You know, Agreed. And, and do I know enough about them? What is their lifestyle? Are they addicted to porn? Do they go to prostitutes? You know, do they have any, you know, you know, cards in their wallet that show that they're in a free clinic line for diseases? No, thank you. <laughs> I'll take a pass <laughs> on that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you want to know if he's got, three other girls he's seeing. You want to know if his ex is a psycho. <laughs> you want to know if what his habits are. And, and it takes a little bit of time to kind of learn that. And also you want to know how he's going to treat you. I mean, that's the most important thing is, is he nice? Is he decent? Is he a man of his word? Is he worth you getting into bed with him? Right. Because not every guy's worthy. Mm-hmm. 
That's a fact. Your first book, Why Men Love Bitches, is more, you know, applicable when it comes to dating. Why Men Marry Bitches is, of course, more marriage related. How do, you know, the rules and the principles, how do they carry over into an actual relationship itself, into a marriage necessarily? How do you keep them alive? By continuing the same behaviors, by focusing on yourself, by not expecting a man to make you happy. The right man will add to your happiness. He will not make you happy if you're not happy. And, you know, pursue your work, pursue your goals. Don't give up all your friends. Don't cut off your family. You know, the same things apply and contribute. I can't tell you how many men I have spoken to, particularly those that have gotten a divorce and they seemingly had the perfect relationship. And they all kind of say, using slightly different words, the same thing which is that they resented that the woman just didn't contribute, that it wasn't a team effort. Mm-hmm. That, that builds a lot of resentment with men over time if they feel that they're the only one carrying the burden, carrying most of the weight, paying most of the bills, paying all of the bills, and that she's just not doing anything constructive. That builds a lot of resentment. So essentially what you're saying is you can start to contribute more when it turns into a relationship or marriage type thing and and not be completely reliant. Yeah, I think you should never be completely reliant on a man at any stage in a relationship, emotionally or financially. That doesn't mean he can't feel needed or valued or highly regarded or special, but you you got to be able to, you know, leave the house without asking him for $20, okay, and have a sense of purpose that keeps you busy. Part of being the challenge, a challenge, as I speak about in my book a lot, is not having 12 other guys pursue you while he's trying to pursue you. It's having him compete for your time because other things matter to you. That will keep him interested. You don't have to have 14 other suitors. You can have, you know, a meeting with a friend, a girlfriend, uh, a dinner with your mom or dad and and work commitments and make an appointment with him in between. And he's going to value that time differently than if you're always available. Yeah, that's a big thing that I would always do as well. Like I never made up that I had things going on. I actually had things going on. And I actually had plans that I stuck to that I made in advance. And so if this person didn't make plans with me in advance as well, I wouldn't have time for them that week. Right. Right. And that's how it should be, I think. Do you think that men are intimidated by women with powerful jobs? Insecure men are. Um Mm -hmm. Men who are looking for someone to control will be intimidated. Um, But like I said, a lot of times men marry, you know, the Stepford wife, they keep it home the first time around. And then the second time around, they want a woman, you know, they learn their lesson and realize that that's just too much pressure and very suffocating to them. And that Mm. they want, and that they want to have a woman who's an equal partner. I find more and more men are smart enough to 
figure out that life is hard and paying bills is hard. And if they have a partner rather than a child that they've adopted, it's a lot more stimulating and and the ride is a lot more fun. They really want that. Everything we see, I think whether it's porn or just, you know, fairy tales or, you know, rom-coms, none of that is conveyed to women. But you've got to get up and carry your own toothbrush and be your own person. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't, you don't have to be wealthy. You don't have to be wildly successful, but to be able to be financially responsible, to not have a $5,000 Chanel bag with 50 cents inside, you know, because you, because the, you know, your electric bill just got cut off um, because you didn't pay it. It's, you know, these are things that men notice. Mm-hmm. They notice if you're knee deep in credit card debt. They notice if you're getting fired from three jobs in six months. And if you aren't paying your rent on time and, and the essential bills aren't being paid on time, they notice those things. They really do. Smart men do. And the men who tell you otherwise usually just want to have you as a sex buddy. Right. You mentioned that a woman should never be entirely reliant on a man. I'm curious your thoughts on if a man should ever be entirely reliant on a woman. You know, if it's when it's reversed, is it different? I don't think so. Not if he wants her respect. Mm -hmm. Not if he wants her respect. Would you respect a man that was completely reliant on you? No way. But what about emotionally? Meaning he has no friends and has nobody else he can talk to and nobody else he can bounce ideas off of. You know, that's a lot. That's a Mm. lot for one person. I'm not sure I want to be the only person in someone's world. It's a lot. And that's how men feel is that it's too much pressure. And that's the mistake that women make is they... You know, they make the man the center of their world. They don't call their girlfriends for six months until he leaves them. And the job gets put on the back burner or she quits and, and he becomes everything to her. It's, it's, it's a lot to carry. It's a lot. Like I said, a person's not supposed to make you happy. They're supposed to add to your happiness. Exactly. Do you think that if men love bitches, that women love excuse my French, assholes, a-holes. The way that I define bitch, Lindsay, is not a mean woman. Right. They like women who have a backbone and they like women who contribute and they like women who won't accept him stepping over the line Mm. repeatedly without checking him. The women who like a-holes, as you described, tend to be the women who don't have high self-worth. I cannot understand, and I've said this many times publicly, why anybody would be in a relationship where they were mistreated to try to change somebody's mind. You have nothing to prove to nobody. You just have to find somebody who's good to you. That's the bottom line. And if you have to prove that you're worthy to a person who's not treating you well, you need to not be in a relationship until you have more Mm self-worth. And it's sad that women do that. They suffer a lot of pain and some of them suffer pain for a lifetime. So 
if somebody's not treating you well, that's a relationship you shouldn't want to be in. The, the joy of being in a relationship is that you're their special someone, they're your special someone, and you both treat each other with respect. And there are some people that are self-respect is so low, they deep down don't believe that they're worthy of respect. Yeah. But do you think that that could be a, an age thing, a maturity thing? Because I remember I, for years in my 20s, I was not interested in guys who were too interested in me. And then that changed as I got older. Granted, I've done... I did the work on myself, you know, with therapy and I'm sure my self-worth went way up, you know, during those years. But do you think it could possibly be age-related? I think that's a factor, yes. I do. Mm -hmm. I think that women tend to become more confident as they get older. If they're working on themselves, like you said, if they're continually growing as they should be. So, yeah, I think that has to do with it. I, I think that women in their maybe late teens, early 20s, middle 20s, it's brainwashing. They don't even have time to think for themselves. They just adopt the images and the messages that they see on, you know, The Bachelor and, you know, all, all of these different shows and what their girlfriends are doing. And getting somebody's approval is something that they're very, very desperate for. Mm-hmm. And I think confidence is marked by how little you need somebody's approval, really. If you if you approve of yourself, you don't need anybody else's approval, and nor exactly. do you want it. <laughs> you know, yeah, and if so they well don't, said. and then if they don't approve of you, you're like, what's wrong with you that you don't approve of me? Because I'm amazing. <laughs> what's your problem? You know, yeah. as opposed to, oh my God, he didn't like my post. Mm. I'm gonna, you know, cyberstalk him now and find out who else he's liking and all right. of that. It's just such a colossal waste of time. It's so much time wasted on that. You know, life is pretty short and you've got to make your choices accordingly. And and people think that in their 20s, they have all the time in the world, but what they don't understand is that they're also making their bed for the rest of their life. So if you get into the wrong relationship with the wrong person in your 20s or early 30s, expect it to destroy you for the rest of your life because you've got to choose wisely. And choosing someone who you know, treats you like garbage is not a wise choice. I don't care if he comes from a good family. I don't care what religion he is. I don't care how much money he has. I don't care what you think you can, he can offer you. I, as I say in my book, you're better off being a waitress at Denny's than to be in a relationship where you're being abused. Yeah. I have always adopted that philosophy. Even when I was dead broke and I was dating men with money, I was, I don't need you. You're not going to talk to me that way. And there's the door. I have said that to men in those exact terms. And as soon as they realize that you are not going to be controlled by their money, they treat you very differently, very differently, very differently. And even now, by the grace of God, I'm, you know, I've been successful. I'm not quite as broke. <laughs> Let's put it that way. And I surround my, myself with people who speak their mind, tell me what they think, don't want anything from me, as opposed to people who have their hand out. Mm -hmm. Granted, just, you know, putting it out there, because of course, there's always the exception, there's somebody who's in, God forbid, an abusive situation, and they are not able to get out of it. And that is, of course, a terrible situation. And, you know, 
I'll list some resources for, for that. But I think what you meant to say and what um, the takeaway is, is that when your self-worth is high, you would never, you know, if you had the option, put yourself in a situation where you are being treated anything less than what you deserve. Correct. We're not talking about a guy who starts out treating you wonderfully and then becomes abusive, like a Jekyll and Hyde type person. That's not what I'm referring to. But that's a very, very good point. And in fact, while I was writing my book in the years leading up to it, I was an abuse counselor. So Mm. I know a lot about that whole dynamic. And yeah, it's, it's a very difficult situation for those women who often have children who are financially dependent on the man. And guess what? He sets it up that way. Right, exactly. He sets it up that way. It's often like a narcissist who will do that. And we have, you know, a whole IGTV on Instagram about um, narcissists that anyone who's listening, who's experienced should definitely check out because that is the worst type of person, really, really awful. Yeah, it's just cruelty. It's just cruelty. I mean, you know, there are times where I'll be talking to women and they'll say, I think he might be borderline. I think he might be a narcissist. I think he might be this. And I'm thinking to myself, how about you just identify that he's an a-hole and get the heck away from him? I'm a believer in seeing the signs early and getting away from somebody early. And toward that end, I can tell you that I always say to women, there's no such thing as a little bit of disrespect. Yeah. Because where there's a little bit of disrespect, if you allow it, it will become a lot of disrespect or a medium amount of disrespect. It's not going to get better unless you address it early on. And if you address it early on and it doesn't resolve itself, you're in the Mm -hmm. wrong relationship. Yeah. Somebody asked this question and then um, we're going to go to some rapid fire poll questions, which are always interesting. Somebody asked, how can you be a B word and let a man know that you're interested still? Uh, this is this is funny to me because I'm like, you know, it's not your job to go out of your way to let a man know you're interested. If you're saying yes to the date, to me, that's interest enough. But what do you think, Shari? Well, usually when you're saying yes to the date, they've already kind of mutually agreed that they're mutually curious about one another, right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I assume that when you when these this question is being asked, it's you know she's you know she works with him, you know maybe in the building next door, and she wants to convey that she's interested. I think just being friendly, old fashioned smile, friendliness, being nice, but not too nice like Labrador Retriever puppy dog chase him nice. You can be playful and a little bit feisty and not be needy and oh my gosh you know, a little too wide-eyed is not good. You know, approach him coolly. Be cool. Cool your jets. You don't even know him. You don't even know if you like him. You know, he's not, you know, the Dalai Lama. He's just a guy. And you were looking for someone when you found him. So just chill, you know, and just, just kind of, you know, I find that men respond better to a woman who has a sense of humor, who mm-hmm. is curious, and likes him, but he's not clear how much she likes him. He should never in the beginning know how interested you are. That you're interested, great. But how interested? No. Keep that to yourself. To share that with your girlfriends. Share it with your mom. He doesn't need to know that. 
because, you know, it will put water on his little flame that he has for you. And you don't want that in the early stages. Like I said, men like mystery. They like to be kept guessing. And what stimulates us is romance, but what stimulates them is intrigue. And part of that intrigue is not knowing how much you like him. And even in a relationship, Lindsay, you can pull back a little bit every now and then, ever so Mm -hmm. slightly, and it will reignite his feelings for you. Because everybody wants someone who's just outside their reach. That's when your desire is at its peak. That's when your desire is at its peak. It's not mean. It's not cruel. It's common sense. You should give him more space rather than less because it's always better to have him feeling desire than to have him feeling suffocation. I completely agree with that. And my therapist gives that same advice. And I've given that advice. And a lot of people will attack me and they'll be like, that's a game. You shouldn't be playing a game with your partner who you love or with your husband. And it's like, you know what? Call it whatever you want to call it. This is what I know works for me and my relationships and my life. And I truly believe that, you know, a good relationship has like 90% security, but that 10% insecurity, I really do believe that it needs that. If you're 100% comfortable, that's a recipe for disaster. What do you think? I agree. And I'm not even sure I would call it 10% insecurity. I would call it intrigue because men need it. Mm. We don't, but they do. I wouldn't call it insecurity. That's insecurity we feel. But for men, it's very stimulating. It's like they're on the edge of their seat. Think about it. They love race cars. They love, you know, fast cars, motorcycles, sports that, you know, when it goes into overtime and, you know, they're, they're tied and now his favorite team's about to win. He's on the edge of his seat. Those are the things that kind of get their blood going. So for women to be able to do that too, is it's not a game. It's common sense. It's understanding. It's consideration, really. It's being thoughtful and considerate of what a partner needs and giving it to them so they don't find it yeah. elsewhere. You know, yeah. I would say that, or like I would argue rather that, you know, I, at least me, because I can only speak to me, not all women, but I need a little bit of intrigue as well or insecurity as well, right? Like it would turn me off, I think, to my partner if I never worried about the possibility of, I don't know, let's say another woman trying to date them or, you know, something like that. Because I've dated people in the past who I had zero feelings of jealousy about because I was like, you know what, if some other person wants him, take him. He's so annoying. Take him off my hands, you know. Um, But with my partner now, I'm like, you know, I know he's an amazing catch. And that kind of keeps me on my toes a little bit too, which I feel like is nice because like it makes me want to, you know, dress nice for him still. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's exciting. It's a matter of being excited as opposed to being bored. I mean, if you're saying he's annoying, take him, you know, then whether he leaves with another woman or not, the issue is just that he's just not stimulating you, you know? And I, I don't know. I'm not so sure the jealousy thing is good, but but I think that having to work for someone's time and work meaning wait, wait, wait a little bit, not all, always having them be available like a 24-hour drive-through. 
to anticipate it. Men are excited when they anticipate a date. That's half the fun for them. 90% of the fun for them is the anticipation. Yeah, I think some women think the same way, but men definitely think this way. Mm-hmm. And women often err on, err on the side of offering them too much security. Right, right. That I 100% agree with. I'm going to ask you some questions. These are more like yes or no type of questions. So let's just get right into it. If you bring a housewarming gift, do you also need to write a thank you note? Yes or no? I don't think so. No, but Martha Stewart might tell you otherwise. (laughs) Is it unfair or is it fair to want your new partner to delete their Instagram photos or let's say Facebook photos with their ex? Yes oh, or no? I think it's I, I think it's fair and I think you should do it without you asking. Right. But if you have to ask, is it a red flag or is it okay? Yes, it would be a red flag to me that someone had enough time on their schedule to be on Instagram all the time. Mm. But what if they weren't on it all the time? They just happen to have those old photos with their ex. Do you know what I mean? Like they're just sitting there, but they didn't think to delete them. I, I would believe that that's probably not an ex. Interesting. Because they have some sort of sentimental attachment to the photos, which is why they're not deleted. Yeah. My feeling is if I even have to ask the question, then I already have my answer. Mm. You know, when you when somebody really likes you and you really like them, all of those insecurities go away. Right. That I will 100% back up. Can it work out if they like to go out and party and you like to stay in? Not in the long run. Yeah. Agreed. What factor do you perceive as more important when considering the timing of a couple getting engaged? The age of the people in the couple or the length of the time in the relationship? I would say both. I can't choose one over the other because they're both really important. Yeah. Do you believe couples therapy is a good thing or a red flag? I don't know too many people where it's worked out. Usually by the time they get to couples therapy, things have devolved mm. to the extent that it's they're no longer able to be repaired. Right. That's why I feel like preventative couples therapy, if you're having communication issues, is probably way better than than once it's too late. Yeah. I think if a grown man hasn't learned how to communicate by the time he's a grown man, mm more than likely an hour a week in a therapy session isn't going to help him. But I'm not an expert in that area, admittedly. So I say whatever Mm -hmm. works for people. I don't judge. Good for you. And this is the last of the rapid fire questions. You walk into a restaurant and you see an ex. Do you go say hello or do you ignore them? Depends on how the relationship ended. Right. If it ended badly, you pretend they don't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're a nice person and you broke their heart, then you take the high road and you say, hi, how are you doing? You look great tonight. Yeah, I love that. And if they broke your heart, then you should smile and keep on walking. Yeah, I always say in that situation, let's say they broke your heart. I think the best way to treat somebody that you run into that's an ex that did that to you is like an acquaintance 
because that I think annoys them the most when there's zero effect that they have, right? Because I think if you ignore them, then you're showing them you feel some type of a negative emotion towards them still. If you're too nice to them, then they might think you're still in love with them. But if you treat them like an acquaintance, like just a, hey, how's it going? Okay, cool. See ya. Like then that I feel like hurts the most. Right. Nonchalant. It, mm-hmm. And they say it takes more to hate than it does to love. And that the thing that's worse than hatred is nonchalance. Right. Exactly. So I agree. But we go back to the dating game that people often accuse me of perpetuating in my books because they misinterpret the message of what I'm saying. And that is that if you are working really hard to come across a certain way, so hard that you're, it's like men are obsessed with appearing cool, right? Mm. But they're obsessed with it. They live, eat, and breathe it. And I say to women, if you truly don't care, it's better than pretending not to care. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Don't care too much. You were looking for someone when you found him. You can be looking for someone else if he doesn't work out. And it's not the end of the road for you. It, life doesn't stop here. It's not the sun, the moon, the stars. You just hold your head up, know that you're a good person. And if it's meant to be, it will work out. And if not, there's someone better for you around the corner. I love that. And that actually leads me to my next question, which that could be the answer, honestly. But I was going to say, do you have a quote or piece of advice? Maybe it's something from the book or something that you've spread throughout the years that has helped you that you could share with our listeners. Yeah, it's actually the last couple of sentences in my first book, which is don't let other people shake your faith in yourself Mm. because your faith in yourself is all you have. And when you walk down the street of life or, or any other street, hold your head up. If you know that you're a good person, hold your head up. If you know that you're an honest person, you don't screw people. You, you earn an honest living. You try to be a good friend, try to be a good daughter try to be a good son, try to be a good partner, you're a stand-up person, you pay your bills, you're not looking to get over on somebody, and you try to be a decent human being. If you're a decent human being, it doesn't get any better than that. Celebrities are not better than you. Trust me, I associate with them. (laughs) They are not better than you. They're not better than you. Other people are not better than you. So don't believe that other people are better than you just because they act like they are. Yep. And that's my message is always have faith in yourself because people aren't better than you. They just not. And the people who act like they are usually are the ones that are not the kind that you want to be around. Exactly. Or usually the most insecure of all. Sherry, thank you so much for imparting your wisdom onto our listeners. I am so excited for them to hear this episode. Where can everybody buy your latest book, your original book, and support you? Oh, thank you. Amazon has both books, amazon.com and or Barnes and Noble. And wherever books are sold, Why Men Love Bitches. I think that uh, the second book, Why Men Marry, the best place for that is amazon.com. And and I just want to say one thing, Why Men Marry Bitches is not just for married women. It's actually for single women. It's more about commitment. Why men take women seriously versus why they turn them into a one-night 
you know, friends with benefits kind of a relationship, as opposed to the woman that they want to be monogamous with. It's more a book about monogamy and less about marriage. Right. That's really interesting. And actually, I have one more question, even though I know I was supposed to wrap up, but you just made me think of it. I have a friend who has a theory that men, you know, put you in a box from the beginning. But I don't know if I agree with that because I would say they do that once they get to know you a little bit. Do you have any quick thoughts on that? I think it's true. I don't know that they do it, you know, within the first five minutes, but I think they do it pretty early on. By the end Mm. of the first date, he's got you in a box. Right. And, or before he's taken you on a date, he's got you in a box. You know, if they look at a woman who's provocatively dressed, who's showing everything, who's got the 15 selfies with the G-string on Instagram, he's going to put her in one box, okay? The sex box. And if a woman is a little more mysterious, a little more reserved and a little harder to get to, then she's more likely to be put in the potential girlfriend box. Mm. And then if she has the other qualities that we talk about, especially the ones I talk about in why, this is exactly what I talk about in why men marry bitches. The other qualities he looks for is, you know, is she going to be able to help me in life? Is she going to contribute financially? Is she going to be an equal partner or a contributing partner? Those are things that become wife-like characteristics or Mm long-term relationship characteristics. Mm -hmm. That. I think it's very, very true. And I've heard it from men that they put you in a box. I'm curious, by the way, what are the boxes that your girlfriend referenced? I think there's a girlfriend box and a hookup box. I will say, though, that I think that the box... So it it could be possible, but the box has not been locked in key, I would say, until after the second date. And maybe this is just my experience with my partner, but... We joke, you know, we reflect that he had me in a like hookup box or whatever um, when he first met me because he thought that I was just like, you know, this hot girl that, you know, he wanted to hook up with. And then once he realized like I was smart and interesting and curious and had a personality that he really enjoyed, he was like, oh, I don't just want to hook up with this person. Like I want a lot more. And so I think... That could happen after the the end of the first date, but that could take up to like, you know, two dates, getting to know someone just a little bit, I think. Yeah. Oh, it can take several dates. If he's taking you seriously, it can take a very long time, but mm. because he might just be in hookup mode when he meets you, he just might be a player. And the woman that he accidentally falls in love with, that he never set out to fall in love with, might be the girl that he couldn't control, couldn't, you know, <laughs> couldn't peg in a box. Totally. So, but, but if they put you in the sex box and keep you there, that's going to happen pretty early on. And the things that women are told to do, like dress provocatively, speak provocatively, send the sexy photos, you know, be an open book, um, be emotionally needy, be you know, too interested in him for the wrong reasons, like, you know, money or material things. Those are the things that will guarantee that he'll slide you into that sex box and put you into that category. And and then the other things take a little more time to uncover. So if, if he's going to be, and, and a lot of it has to do with, is she available to everybody or is she mine only? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That has a lot to do with it. 
And right. that takes some time to uncover. So just be mindful when you're wearing, you know, something that shows your tattoos in private areas and talking about your ex-boyfriend throughout the first date, mm. but, you know, what message you're sending and how you want to be categorized. And yes, they do tend to categorize women in that way. And back to the point that we were talking about earlier, they would much rather have a girlfriend that they really have feelings for with that spark, with that chemistry that makes them feel everything that we feel warm and fuzzy inside. They would much rather have sex with someone that they really care about than casual sex with a girl that they have no feelings for or watching porn and doing what men do when they watch porn. Those are substitutes. They are not Mm -hmm. the real thing. And when they experience all of those things together with a woman that they really respect and really like and really want to spend time with, they're on cloud nine just like we are. Yeah. Agreed. Well, on that note, thank you so much, Sherry. You have been illuminating and I'm really grateful that we were able to get you on here. So thank you. It was an absolute pleasure being with you, Lindsay. Thank you. 